chapter 16. I got to turn there as well. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 16. And we're going to read down through just the uh, first few verses of this. Genesis chapter 16. There we go. All right. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. And so Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. And so he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dwelt, dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Lord, again, we open up your word. And as we open it, Lord, we always ask that you would teach us as only you can. And Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit have his way this morning in our lives, in our church, in our world. And Lord, may you accomplish what this book is set forth to do. And it would not fall on deaf ears, but would find fertile ground in the heart. And Lord, spring up to fruit everlasting. And I thank you for that. And I pray to that end now and just ask you to be with us in this time of study. In Jesus' name, amen. We come to this story of Genesis 16 and... Again, you find uh, 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 really a life, as we've been studying the life of Abram and the, you know, the man Abraham, and that was his name later, uh, father of a multitude is what that means. And what we have here is uh, really, again, seeing the faith of Abram and Sarai, his wife, uh, waver. And yet, as we've so shown you over and over again, you come to the New Testament, he's used as an illustration of a man of faith. And I just want to say up front that, um, you know, a life of faith is not a perfect life if you're a human being. Okay, you're not, it's just the way it is. You will have times where your faith will waver or you'll, you'll sin. Uh, there is only one that ever walked this earth that didn't sin. And that was the Lord Jesus himself, the only man who never sinned. Every one of us, though, sins. And even those who are the closest to the Lord, you will find there are times in your life that... You will make poor choices and you will sin. Sometimes you will make choices willingly disobedient, being disobedient to the Lord. Other times, maybe thinking we're doing God a favor by kind of working out his plan and accomplishing it our way. That seems to be what's going on here in our text this morning when we read about Abram and the trouble that was in his home. The trouble was that he and his wife did not believe the promises of God and that somehow that God could work those things out despite them. Uh, sometimes we think God needs us in working out his plans. You know, like I, I'm, I'm pivotal to that. Well, you may be, indeed be used in that aspect of working out God's plan for others or for yourself. That, that's true of so much of it. But nevertheless, it's the Lord who accomplishes those things, and he can do it without us. 
And I'm glad he can. He uh, is able to create, isn't he, with just his spoken word. He's a powerful God. And I'll tell you, we need that in our home. We need him in the center of our homes, in our lives. Well, you see here a very sad testimony in that we find Abram and Sarai coming up with a plan to sort of get ahead of God. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but there's been times I've gotten ahead of God on something and and then regretted it later. Uh, Thankfully, it hasn't involved another woman. Uh, It hasn't involved other things, but that may indeed be something that has happened in someone's life. And, you know, it's something that really shows the dysfunction of the human family. Uh, And I have to tell you, no matter how good a family you were raised in, I was raised in a good family, no matter what, there's some measure of dysfunction to all of us and in our families. All right? And you've got to keep that in mind. And it's not an excuse to live holy. It's not an excuse to just write it off and say, I can never be what God expects me to be because I've had this in my background or in my, my current life right now. We find Abram is a man of faith. And as God comes to testify of him later on, as the Holy Spirit breathes out his word through the Apostle Paul and others when they talk about Abraham, And you find that he's a man of faith and God looked at him as a man of righteousness. Not because Abram himself was righteous always, but because God made him or declared him righteous. And that's the whole thing we've been looking at. And it was done, accomplished by faith in that. Well, we see trouble in the home. And often life is filled with various troubles that come along and the reaction to how we deal with those things will sometimes set the whole course of our life. And yet, for the believer, God can take even the, the sin that we might get involved in or the various things that come our way, sometimes things not of our choosing, maybe the sin of someone else that comes our way, and He can work His marvelous work into a beautiful picture in the end. And really, that's what we see. Well... We find here trouble in the home. And the reason for the trouble is in the first four verses there. And the first one, let's just begin reading again. Verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Now, we knew this already. They were already old, okay? Uh, Abraham, at this point in his life, is 86 years old. His wife is 10 years younger. And they don't have children. And humanly speaking, they aren't going to have children, all right? They're past those years of having children. Abram's wife was not going to conceive on her own at age 76. And yet, God was going to bring seed from Sarah's womb later. And he was going to do that not when she was 76, but when she was 90, all right? And Abram, Abraham would be 100. Yet, God had that all planned out. But they were impatient. I don't know about you, I'm impatient, okay? Um, and, and I would like to be patient, and I'd like to be patient now, you know? <laughs> That's the kind of the way we approach it. And life has a way of making you patient, doesn't it? I woke up this morning, my wife will, don't ask her about it, but I, I had some choice words for the snowbank outside that was in my driveway. <laughs> I was looking outside, and I just said, oh, I hate winter. You know, this time of year, I'm just done with it. I complained for 15 minutes. She made me a nice coffee. I drank my coffee. I felt better. I went out, tackled the snowbank. It tackled me. And we got out of the driveway anyways. We're here. 
But, you know, I think probably a lot of us had that same kind of opinion this morning, looked out, and I'm just like, I'm tired of this dragging on. I've got 48 inches of snow in the backyard and uh, a lot higher on the snow banks. And, and by the way, thank you for those of you that were able to come out on Friday and help out and uh, shovel the roof. And the great joy of living in northern Maine, we shovel our roofs. And... Um, and it was uh, many hands made light work, really. And we had a great time of fellowship. I know some of you couldn't because you were working and had other appointments and stuff, but we had a great time uh, doing that. But uh, that great time didn't last this morning. I was like, ah, oh, you know, more snow. It came back. And it's not over yet, I hate to tell you. You know, we're going to have more probably before summer gets here. Uh, maybe even after that. I don't know. I saw I saw it snow June 11th one year, and it accumulated on top of Susie Hill. I remember trying to get up Susie Hill in Winterville, <laughs> yeah, just south of Winterville. Uh, wow, aptly named. That's right. Um, anyways, back to this patience. Right, there are things in life that we can't fix, we can't choose, we can't do that. I couldn't. I had nothing to do with the weather today. Don't blame me. Okay. But I will say, my reaction wasn't very sanctified this morning. And the Lord got a hold of me. He actually got a hold of me uh, as I was using the snowblower. And I said, Lord, thank you that I have a snowblower, first of all. That my wife's not out here having to shovel this. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and then I was also thankful that, you know, I said, Lord, I could be in a place like Ukraine, where we lived 20 years ago in Kiev. And the saints there are gathering today in their churches and in their homes and uh, it's a little different view for them today they don't know if this is their last sunday on earth and that's that's truth that that this could be their last time gathering here and i don't know how you'd feel if you came to church this morning and that was on the forefront of your mind this may be my last sunday on earth well i you know we ought to always come with that expectation one of these days, it is going to be our last Sunday on earth. Might be today. Are you ready? Are you ready for those things? Well, listen, go back to the text, Jack. Let's get back in there. Trouble in the home. Trouble in the home. Sometimes we get impatient. And there was a reason there was trouble in the home is that Sarah and Abraham had no children. And they did not uh, think that God somehow, even though he promised that somehow he would bring children out of their marriage, that somehow God maybe wasn't going to do that. So they came up with a grand plan that was not right, but yet was something that they thought would be what maybe God would endorse. And we, by the way, sometimes do that, don't we? We know what is right. Often it's not for lack of knowledge of knowing what is right and wrong, but rather we just kind of think, well, God will kind of wince at that. He won't, you know, he won't look that unfavorably on this, and we're going to go ahead and do this. After all, he wants me happy, right? Well, he wants us holy first, all right? And he wants us obedient, and the happiness part, there is happiness in obedience. There's joy in obedience. But like most, we get ahead of God sometimes. And we should just wait, be patient in those things. We find that uh, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Now, Hagar came out of Egypt when 
Abram and Sarai had gone down to Egypt back in Genesis chapter 12. Remember that? Time of famine. They decide to go down into Egypt and they thought that somehow God again, you know, had promised to provide for them in the land they were in, but somehow he would do better in Egypt. They go down in Egypt and of course they brought really a, a, almost a curse on the household of Pharaoh and he almost took Sarah as his wife and yet she was Abram's wife you know that whole thing because they lied and well, shifted the truth around and Pharaoh didn't even know what he was getting into Pharaoh kicked him out said get out and they left he, he actually Pharaoh said in Genesis 12 take you and your wife and leave and yet Sarah and Abram took a little more than just each other. They took a little bit of Egypt with them. They brought a woman out with them who was in their household. She was a servant and she was there and she came out with them. And that would later be a problem. And we come to it in Genesis 16 when the plan is devised here. So Sarah, I said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Sarai. You have here this plan of Sarai. And by the way, in that day and age, um, the the law of the land, the Hammurabi Code, um, my understanding of some of that, which basically dealt with civil affairs and legal affairs of the land, and it was the law of the land. Uh, and it would have been something that when they came out of Ur of the Chaldees, they would have had a lot of that understanding of their law, the, the law of man. And it was permissible under that law to go, and if you, your wife didn't have children, you could, a man could go and take another woman and have a child by her and raise that child as his own and his wife's. Now, it brought a lot of trouble, I'm sure, like it would today. And it does today when men and women who were in a marriage relationship have, or even not in a marriage relationship, have children by multiple partners or whatever. And it's a mixed, it's a, wow, it's sometimes really hard, isn't it? I mean, that, that happens. But nevertheless, God can take even those things we do in the flesh and he can use them for his glory. And that doesn't mean we go out and purposely sin, But God is so big that he can even take the bad things we do and the bad choices we make and the sin we make and bring grace on it and mercy and demonstrate to us his power to be able to redeem that which has been lost to sin. Well, he was going to do that here with Sarai and Abraham. Abram. By the way, just because something's legal doesn't make it right. (laughs) And I'm reminded of that. It's legal to kill a child in the womb in the United States and through much of the world. And I often think of that when I, uh, I saw a maternity hospital bombed in um, Ukraine this week. I don't know the mind of God in, in the f- fact of judgment and all that, but, but I knew a statistic when we were in Ukraine 20 years ago, one in three pregnancies was terminated in abortion. And... Uh, and I wonder, if we won't raise our children, God will have a way of sometimes saying, then I'll take your light, you know. And I pray for the people of Ukraine and the people of our nation, big time, because we need to repent as a nation and as nations. 
And he sometimes raises up other nations, evil people, to bring God's people to a place where they repent and where others repent to salvation. And like I said, I don't know the mind of God on things. I do know that there's good and there's evil. And I do know that we are called to live obedient in a world that is dark. And sometimes the laws of our land are wrong. Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. He listened to his wife in bad advice. Sometimes we listen to those that are closest to us and they give us bad advice. You know, Abraham should have been taking charge and he should have been saying, no, Sarah, we're not going to do that because God, just in the previous chapter, right? Just previous to this, God promised me he was somehow going to, out of our flesh, bring a son. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. And so he went into Hagar and she conceived. Things happen. I won't go into the birds and the bees, but she conceived. And you can imagine what that did in that household. All of a sudden, Sarah had this great plan. I'm going to have my handmaid raise a child or have a child. We're going to raise that child as ours. But then... All of a sudden, she realizes my husband's embracing another woman. And I, I gave her to him. We make some very poor choices sometimes in the flesh, don't we? And we think, oh, this will somehow work out for the better. It doesn't. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And that's a quotation from the Old Testament. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. You know, there's a principle that the scripture has for us to, to sort of, they're road signs, okay? You know, you come to a road sign and it tells you dead end. All right, don't go down that way unless you're going to the dead end. That's it, right? And, and, and this was one of those things that God said to his people. When you go into that land, do not mix your marriages of believers and unbelievers, and yet, that's exactly what was going on here. There's never, never any indication that Hagar was a woman of faith, all right? That she believed in the same God of the, of the God of the Bible. Um, instead, we find the offspring of Ishmael, which is the child that is conceived there, actually was a wild man, and he went away from God. And to this day, his descendants are still at odds very much with the Jewish people. And there is that almost, uh, well, a feud that goes back all the way back to Ishmael. And there's a dominant religion in the world, Islam, that believes the promised son of Abraham was actually Hagar's son, not Isaac through Sarah. And that is still theologically a big issue that goes on and causes a lot of division. But if Abram would have just heeded the word of God, and he would have understood or, or taken a firm stand and said, no, we're not going to do that. Sometimes just saying no is really the answer. You find, first and foremost, there was an acceptance of, uh, of, of sin. And it was justified 
in their minds, probably by the, the law of the land and by culture and other things. Culture says you can do that. Um, sometimes people jump on board. Sometimes Christians, by the way, jump on board and say it's culturally acceptable to do this. I've seen that change in my lifetime massively in, in just 50 years, a little over 50 years, uh, how we view marriage and how we view not being married and things like that. And it's perfectly acceptable today to uh, live together and never be married and not ever want to get married. And if you say, well, maybe you should, well, people look at you like, where'd you come up with that? I came up with that from the scriptures <laughs> and the, the Bible as God ordained it such in that way because the family unit is a picture of his relationship that he has with us. And when you break that up, there's major problems. Genesis 12, verse 18. Uh, No, I'm going to skip that one, sorry. Um, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Paul, in the book of Galatians here, as he writes, and he talks about that principle of sowing and reaping. When you plant seed in the ground, you expect that that seed is going to produce what you planted, right? You don't uh, plant, um, uh, you know, cucumber seeds and then expect that you're going to have tomatoes grow out of that, all right? That's not the way it works. You plant whatever you plant reaps that fruit. If you're going to plant sin, it will come to fruition, you're going to plant righteousness and holiness in your life it will reap the benefits of that there's a principle of sowing and reaping very simple well you see the baggage of sorts that was in that family there's always baggage right we bring baggage in from our past sometimes and because it wasn't dealt with appropriately when they came out of egypt they brought a little egypt with them and that at the time looked very innocent but later on would almost destroy a marriage in the process. There was some doubting that had gone on also. As I said earlier, and you just look back one chapter if you want, Genesis 15, 1-6, God reaffirmed to Abram the fact that he was going to raise up a, a, a seed that would be innumerable. Like it was, He was going to make him extremely fruitful. And yet... That was not what Abram does in the very next chapter. He heeds his wife's advice, himself going along with that, and then gets in trouble with that whole process. Well, we see the reactions to the trouble. And uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 4. I'm going to scoot ahead here. Or Genesis, not chapter 4, Genesis 16, verse 6. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. And you're going to have to go to that, if you guys would. You got it? Okay. All right. My slides are giving me trouble. It's been doing really well lately until, until today. And i got to go back to that. I'm going to go right here. Genesis chapter 16 and then verse 6. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. 
And what we have here is the reaction uh, that is that is seen. And the first thing we see is this, that um, Abram reacted first and foremost by being unaccountable. And it says in verse 6, So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. What you have here is... Um, Abram just sort of washes his hands of the whole matter. And sometimes, uh, you know, (laughs) that isn't right either, is it? Instead of dealing with what happened in a heartfelt repentance and saying, Sarai, we were wrong to do this. Now what do we do, all right? How How do we take this awful thing that we've done and how do we bring something good out of it? Or how, what, what is my responsibility here? Instead, he was not responsible. You know, we kind of come to sin like that sometimes, don't we? Somebody washes their hands and says, I, that, you know, it wasn't me that did that. And yet, it was them. Remember the sin of, of David. Um, David tried to, do, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And at a time when, in First Samuel, it talks about that, that at a time when kings went forth to battle, David tarried at Jerusalem, Second uh, Samuel, that is. And you find, um, you find David was in a place where he shouldn't have been. A time when he should have been leading his people. He should have been with them. Instead, he was tarrying at Jerusalem, had too much time on his hands, he looks down off the palace uh, walkway wherever he was, looks down onto a roof that's below him, and he sees a woman bathing. And then all of a sudden in his, uh, his mind he thinks, I want her. And it led one bad decision to another, to another, to another, which ultimately led to murder of the woman's husband, because how God saw it, because he was one of David's mighty men who was willing to lay down his life for David and for his nation. It wasn't even his nation, he was a Hittite. Uriah and this man was so dedicated that when David calls him back to Jerusalem to that he was sure he would go in and he would be with his wife and and he would she would this this child that she was now had in her womb that was David's he he figured well somehow this will all be covered up Uriah will think the child's his the only one thing Uriah was so dedicated to the cause that he wouldn't even go into his wife instead he slept on the palace doorstep what a man and what a time of David's life where he was weak in the flesh and all the conspiring that David did to try to get this all covered God was destined to uncover it completely and it was only in repentance finally as David pours his heart out to God that God could deal with the sin sometimes we just try to cover it up not take responsibility and in reality there needs to be that responsibility taken in that verse and by the way the reaction look at the reaction of Sarah verse uh, 7 the angel of the Lord found her by us well excuse me verse 6 Uh, So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai 
dealt harshly with her. She fled from her presence. This younger, I'm assuming younger woman, she was of childbearing age. She was probably very young at the time that she came out of Egypt with them. And Sarah has this grand plan that she's going to bring Hagar into this marriage relationship and somehow have children raised by her and all this stuff, which we you know right now that's not going to work well. And all of a sudden, as gentle as she had been with Sarah, now she's harsh on the other side. And you can't have two women in a marriage relationship, by the way. It doesn't work that way. And Sarah sends her away. Harshly. Really sends her away. She ran off in doing that. And by the way, that's kind of what sin does, doesn't it? It separates people. And yet, the Lord can even take that which sin has come and undone and broken. And he can bring reconciliation His love is overarching and it can cover a multitude of sin. And I know that even in many of you that are here, you can have those stories in your past where God has just, in his love and his grace, has covered things and dealt with things, but you had to come to him to do it. I'm thankful for that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 says love suffers long and is kind love does not envy love does not parade itself is not puffed up does not behave rudely does not seek its own is not provoked thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things love never fails and you know the aspect of love that was it's not seen here at all for Hagar, for Hagar's child, for those the, the relationship that was on the line, all of that is vacant in this text in Genesis 16 for us. We see Hagar reacted um, also in that she took herself out of that situation entirely. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when, she, when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring of the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from? And where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. You know, there, she, she was running from everything. Probably fear of her life. Fear of her child's life. This situation has caused, had, had caused great damage to a relationship in that way. Things needed to be dealt with, but they weren't. And you know, it never was dealt with properly in uh, this relationship. We don't see... Where as she does go back and all of that, it's still tension in that household. And it continues to be so even as the child grows. Ishmael grows up to be a teenage boy and there's problem in the house. And later when Sarah conceives and is ready to have her own son, we read in I think in Genesis 21 where uh, there's, there's tension there again. It was never dealt with properly in the very beginning. And by the way, if you don't deal with sin... In your life, it comes back to bite you over and over again. And sometimes you think, well, that's, that's in the past. I don't need to deal with it. Or, we do. 
Sin needs to be brought before the Lord. And the scope of that sin, by the way, I tell people this, they say, who should I confess to? I say, well, you start with God, because ultimately all our sin, doesn't matter how great it was or less, our sin is an affront to God, an offense to God, and we have offended a holy God, a righteous God. Always go to the Lord first. If that sin includes others that you have trespassed against, you need to go to them. And you need to ask their forgiveness or at least extend that repentant heart to them. And you may not receive it. And you know, for those that will not repent, sin still needs to be dealt with, like especially in, in a congregation where sometimes it has to be brought before the congregation saying somebody is in sin, they are not repentant, do not want to repent. And the New Testament says they're to be excluded from fellowship until they do repent. And the hope is that they will. Not in a judgmental fashion. Because as Paul writes in Galatians. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And you know when you restore one. It says restoring such a one in a spirit of meekness. Right? We have to be meek. Realizing except by the grace of God. There go I. We see the results of this this sin. Genesis chapter 16, uh, we'll start in verse 11. It says, The angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. God was gracious even to Ishmael and to Hagar, because he's that way. You know, he loves every single person on this earth. An unconditional kind of love. Doesn't mean that he's going to just look over their sin and not do anything about that, because our sin is on us and we have fallen short of the glory of God because we're sinners. And we have a major problem. God still loves us in our sin. He doesn't like the sin, He doesn't love the sin. But he still unconditionally loves us. But we need to repent from sin and turn to him in faith. Or else we won't have his righteousness on our account. Abram understood that. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And that's what God saw on his heart. Well, he goes on to say this in verse 12. He shall be a wild man. Uh, nobody wants to hear that their son is going to be absolutely wild, especially before he's even born. God, the angel of the Lord here, gives uh, Hagar a heads up, says he's going to be wild. And every man's hand against him, he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And that's exactly what would come of him. Even as a teenager, we see that effect in the household and then later on and through the centuries there is a wild side to Ishmael even today Proverbs 26 verse 13 says he who covers his sins will not prosper but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy and I don't know where that went but anyways my stuff's going back and forth We'll leave that alone here. See if this outline comes up. No, it isn't. So, all right. I'm trying to follow my notes, follow my uh, my presentation here, and 
and doing that. Apologize for the technical difficulties this morning. Don't know what's going on. We see here again the results of this trouble. There was a difficult son that was born. He was difficult. He would be difficult. He would continue to be difficult. And again, the principle of sowing and reaping. And that was not all Hagar's trouble. Uh, I, I think she was really complicit with things, obviously. But um, it really was Abraham and Sarah's sin that was passed on as well in that. And the sin of Abraham passed on to his son. We have a, a, a dysfunctional family that was burdened greatly. Because that's really what took place here. They were burdened in those things. Um, see if I can find the Proverbs 28. Oops, I'm gone now. You got it? All right, that's, I'm, I'm good with that one. We're all set. We see a divine plan as well that was seen. And that's verses 10 to 12 of Genesis 16. It says, The angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, and it's transliterated here, or translated, You are the God who sees. For she said, I have also here seen him who sees me. So this angel of the Lord, the word angel there meaning messenger of the Lord, is the Lord himself. Uh, some would argue, I would say what we theological term would be Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of the son of of christ himself and she says that in that she saw him therefore the well was called bear lehe roy observe it is between kadesh and barad so hagar bore abram a son and abram named his son whom hagar bore ishmael abram was 86 years old when hagar bore ishmael to abram and you have that chapter kind of concluding off. And you again, as I've said before, if that was the end of the story for Abraham, we'd, we'd say, man, oh, what an awful way to go. You know, didn't finish well. But that's not the end of the story. The story continues. It was a story of faith. It was a story in which God was yet to write all the chapters. And I just have to say that again. When we come to him, and we yield ourselves to him, and we yield our sin to him, and say, Lord, take it, forgive it. He's able to make something new and beautiful and give us that new birth. That's what we need, because our old birth, our first birth wasn't enough, and it is based in the flesh, and he gives us that new birth. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness you know who's faithful and just he is we're not follow me around enough you'll say well he you know uh, he, he thinks he's a man of faith and i i do i try to follow the lord do all those things but you'll see that it doesn't take long and 
all of a sudden I'm looking out the window yelling at the snowbank, you know? <laughs> and, and those attitudes of the heart that come out. But he is faithful. Sometimes we have to repent of those attitudes and those kind of things and greater sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise you can camp on. That's a promise that Abram had and he knew and would experience. And later, again, coming to the New Testament, he's a man that was justified by his faith because God the just justified him. And we can learn from that. Do you know the Lord? If today was the last Sunday that you could gather here at the church or hear the word of God, what would you do? What would you do differently? Would you repent of something in your life that maybe has been just back there, maybe nobody even knows of? Would, would you want to come to faith in Christ and be saved? That's the first and foremost, the greatest thing you could do. Those are areas that I hope the Lord speaks to every one of us on. God, again, we come before you thanking you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us, your mercy and grace. And as we've looked over this chapter, it's really a sad commentary in a, just a small portion of a life. And yet you were still going to make a wonderful uh, situation really come out of this. There would be a multitude of people that would arise up out of Ishmael and that relationship of Hagar and Abraham. Trouble would be there also, but yet, Lord, you would bless them. We also know, Lord, you would, if, if Abram had just waited a little longer, you would have had, again, that promised son that you did give to him eventually. Lord, help us not to get ahead of you. Help us to patiently endure what is before us, or run the race with that endurance, and lay aside the sin which so weighs us down. And we thank you for your grace and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.